0: Welcome to GM GMTree, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is wildcard weekend. It just wrapped up. We've had four great games happen. Uh, we had some upsets on Saturday. We had chalk games on Sunday. I am joined by Mr. Mike Lombardi on the, on the phone right now. Lombardi, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Tate Frazier. I'm a little still stunned from Tennessee beating Kansas City. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I'm just not going to lie. And then, you know, this morning on Sunday morning, I mean, was there, you know, Blake portals is performance for you know that running game i mean you know that's playoff football wow but that one the tight one just blew me but i'm doing good i'm coming back tomorrow i'll be back in the studio on tuesday with you we get right back at it again yep. maybe you can make another appearance on no bull i'm i'm really no bull had a great week this week and i think a lot of it was because of Tate Frazier.
0: I, I don't know about that i don't think it's a bump that i have going but i will say that i missed you while you were in waco i'm sure you had a a wacky waco wildcard weekend that was all the alliteration i have left for the day um, l- let's just start from the top though let's start from the most recent game uh, we had the, the Panthers going into New Orleans to take on the Saints a game that uh, we both talked about it's tough to beat a, a team three times but it's easier when Drew Brees is your quarterback and you put up 30 points every single time the Panthers make a valiant effort to come back um, first off let's just do first thoughts about this game and then we'll go into the uh, the final drive for the Panthers
1: you know, I actually, you know, I kept saying on Friday, sit down and we go see good cam, bad cam. We got good cam and and the Saints won. So for me, you know, the Saints had a chance at the end of the game there, driving down the field. I just thought that the red zone defense of the, of the New Orleans Saints made the difference in the game. Those four-point plays that they won early in the first half made the difference. Missed field goal, although they got the 57-yarder. Look, I think Breeze proved to me, at least, that he can still throw the ball effectively and they have enough skill players. I thought they used Camaro more as a decoy today than they did as an actual weapon. I thought they went into the game. I thought Sean Payton's play calling was outstanding. He, he only had eight third downs of the game. They only converted two third downs. He played Canadian football the entire game. He was getting first downs and two downs, which I love. And he really kept Carolina from getting into what they wanted to do, which was attack the pocket. So, I mean, my hat's off to the Saints. I mean, they held on at the bitter end. Thought they should have gone for it on fourth and, on third and two. I thought they should have thrown the ball there because I didn't think they wanted to give Cam the ball back because Cam was playing pretty good at that point.
0: Yeah, and let's talk about uh, you talked about the cat and mouse game that was going on between Drew Brees and Luke Kuechly. Drew Brees won that today, and Drew Brees did a lot of things to get Keekley off balance, to to get Michael Thomas open and on some big throws. I mean, probably the biggest play he had was when he got outside contained and made that long pass on third down to Michael Thomas, and they end up scoring the touchdown. Kamara scores the touchdown to give them the two-touchdown lead, uh, to give them a 12-point lead at that point. Um, I just want to talk about Breeze himself. I mean, he didn't have to do anything spectacular, but I mean, the long touchdown pass to Ted Ginn sort of took the air out of the ball for the Panthers after they don't score that touchdown and miss that field goal. They come down, score a touchdown, get up 7-0. It just seemed like the Saints kept rolling. The Panthers, they kept fighting back, kept clawing back to get into this game. They have a chance there at the end. Uh, a, A tough call. Um, you know, with the, uh, the intentional grounding with Cam Newton that basically got him to third and 23, which you know he throws a deep pass to Funches. Funches doesn't quite get his head turned around. The ball drops, and then fourth and 23, they just take the sack and then game over. But I just had to say Drew Brees and Luke Keekly. I mean, Luke Keekley nine times out of ten is going to win a battle against a quarterback because he's basically a quarterback himself. But Drew Brees won that today, and I think that was the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, I I think this, you know, Tate, what we see is, and I think this happened over the weekend, right? So we see teams that have to play left-handed, and can they play left-handed and win? And the Panthers went into this game saying Kamara's not going to beat us, Ingram's not going to beat us, Ingram averaged 2-4 carry, Kamara averaged 2-3. Their long carry of the day was seven yards by Ingram. So they said, Drew Brees, you beat us, and Drew Brees beat him. And, I mean, I think that that was the difference. And I think the offensive line for the Saints didn't get enough credit. I know they lost Pete. That's going to hurt them. But they didn't get enough credit in the sense that they were able to control the front. And they did that by being very aggressive on first and second down, throwing the ball, and getting those easy throws. I mean, that, to me, was the game. And Breeze was great. So... You know, they play Canadian football. They didn't try to run the ball. People say, you know, playoff football is about running the ball, playing defense. Oh, my God, just shut up, please. It's not. It's about it's about having the ability to play left-handed and still being able to be effective. And, obviously, the Saints were. And what did I'm with you, though, Tate Frazier. I'm with you. I, I didn't think it was grounding. I didn't. I didn't think Fox gave us a real good view of the tackle box. You?
0: No, they they had a tough time all day. I mean, with them missing flags being thrown in the field. I mean, I'm just talking about, you know, with Buck and Aikman, them trying to call the game, what was going on. I mean, they didn't even show that they had Burson. I mean, Cam was trying to argue that he had Burson down there and he had a receiver in the territory, and that's what Rivera was arguing too. But once they made the call, you know, they didn't really listen to – to Cam or anyone from the sideline for the Panthers, and then it was over. I want to talk about an even bigger play, and we're going to go back before the Panthers even had the ball. Um, the Saints are—they have third and two. You mentioned that before. They run the ball again. Uh, Julius Peppers gets in there, makes a stop, forces the fourth and two. Drew Brees hurries to the line, tries to draw him off sides. Then he takes a timeout before the two-minute war- as the two-minute warning hits. We get a timeout for the Saints. Then the, the offense. Sean Payton sends the offense back on the field. And they throw the ball. Drew Brees throws an interception, or what looked like an interception, um, and then it gets swatted out. A fumble goes out of bounds. They don't review it under two minutes. Was there anything there? Because that ended up being about twenty-five yards.
1: of it. I I didn't think that was a catch. Like obviously, I mean, since I don't know if they were, you know, they. I, I didn't know. I didn't think it was a catch. I didn't think he he committed. Like I thought the ball was bobbling in his arms. And I don't know if they reviewed it or not. I'm sure they're going to tell us. I mean, look, they get, get they didn't get the 10 second runoff. Thank God for Tony, uh, for uh, Dean Sanatoro's brother Tony on the sideline there, who was the alternate official. He's the one who got the 10 second runoff. He came on the field and said it. He's a good back judge in the league. And so, you know, I don't, I I didn't think it was a catch. I mean, obviously Adams, the veteran player, he should have known better. But I mean, sometimes your instincts take over in those situations. But the whole management of that sequence there by the Saints, I think, was play-by-play. I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think when they got the ball, I think Sean, the way he was calling that game, should have stayed aggressive and knew that his defense was on the ropes at that point. Mm -hmm. I think he should have kept the gas down and gone full force. He got fortunate and won the game. But that third and two call, I thought he should have thrown it. I thought he should have tried to be more aggressive because look, he's completing passes at seventy-two percent complete. You know, Breeze is remarkable, right? Yeah. I mean, that back shoulder throw he throws down the field to Thomas on the third and five, on the third and eight before, and they get the first down. I mean, it's remarkable, you know. And so I would have put the ball in Breeze's hands. He was the hot player. They got away with it, and I don't know if Adams was a catch. Tate Frazier, I really don't think it was.
0: Yeah, I just I feel like that's going to get overlooked in this whole thing. And uh, yeah, Michael Thomas, you just got to give, give your hat to that guy. I mean, in two years, I think he was the most all time, one hundred ninety two catches. I think he ended up with another catch, one hundred ninety three catches in his first two seasons. He's unstoppable. I mean, I, I watch these games as a Panthers, you know, fan, and the most the person I'm number one scared of. Obviously, there's Kamara, Obviously, there's Ingram. But when you see Michael Thomas on a slant or Michael Thomas. Going out for any route, and Drew Brees has time to make the pass. I mean, it's pretty much an unstoppable combination at this point. So it um, yeah. was I mean, a big win for Matthew the Saints. Has
1: some of this- my son Matthew has been in his fantasy league, and he's like, Dad, I've won my fantasy league two years in a row because of Michael Thomas. <laughs> keep letting Beckham, just keep keep letting him make all the all the talking about and He don't say nothing. This guy just keeps winning me money.
0: Absolutely. And it's true. I
1: mean, the guy just keeps making plays, and I think he gives them. And Ginn's a really unsung hero. I mean, mm-hmm. Randy Mueller got a lot of crap for drafting Ginn, the ninth pick overall in Miami, and he wasn't ready to be the ninth pick overall. and And he's kind of bounced around the league, but he's always been able to – Take the top off the defense, and he's always been able to return. And he's did it in San Francisco. He's done it at Carolina, and now he's doing it at New Orleans. I, you know, to me, he gives them a little bit of something that they they need desperately. Coleman, to me, always looks like mm-hmm. he's going to fumble the ball at any time, and he does all the time. And so, without having a big tight end in the middle, they're able to create some matchups. And Ingram, look, Ingram's Ingram's the problem running the ball, and Kamara is the problem in dual sense. The other thing I would say to you, Tate Frazier, is. After watching this game and the way McCaffrey played, I would move McCaffrey to receiver next year. I think that's his role. I think he's a better receiver. I think he's a slot receiver. I think you get him the ball. If you want to put him in the backfield on some plays, great. But I think for me, for the Panthers to be the best offense next year, they should just make him a slot receiver, utilize him like they did today. Six catches over 100 yards, touchdown but you know it's six six carries with the football for 16 yards that ain't going to get it done
0: yeah and he had the the great play that gets him back in the game the long uh catch on the option route takes it for in for a touchdown um that was a big play i mean you know you just said it you know six touches rushing for 16 yards six touches receiving for 101 yards i mean that's the difference right there in that game i will say this i mean cam newton there was a lot of you know fodder going into this game you know what could cam do he had this poor performance against the falcons he was there all night he took some big shots i mean a lot of people were trying to call for the concussion protocol i think what happened was the visor when he got took that big hit i think it, it poked him in the eye it got hit and popped out and poked him in the eye um and he went to the blue tent did the protocol came back in the game almost let him uh, on a touchdown drive i mean when you just look at that game 349 yards 24 for 42 touchdowns no picks no turnovers for cam newton it, that's about the best you can get from him um so i for- thought
1: he was great cam today you know and still look there's still problems in carolina are the same problems. I, I, you know, I mean, their offensive line is good enough. I mean, let's be wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not good. At, Cam makes them get away with it, and, they, and they've and they did a good job. But, I mean, look, they've got some issues. And also the other thing I think that they missed, that they missed the old Charles Johnson on defense. I know they talked about he wasn't really ready to play. They they were a defensive lineman short. They didn't get enough pressure because when you're getting first downs with two downs, it's a lot harder. So, uh, you, you know, I, I think the Saints have to kind of identify – and create the roles and fill those roles as their vision for next season. They've got a great quarterback that can make some plays. They've got to get another receiver to play with Funchess. McCaffrey can play inside. To me, I think that's where they have They kind of sort out their talent a little bit and define the roles, and then I think they need to take it off.
0: Mm-hmm. and the Saints I mean, next week they're going to go to the Vikings and uh, they look a scary team right now and after the game Cameron Jordan in his interview basically said look the Panthers that team has made the Super Bowl we understand we wanted it more than they did and because we want to have our shot to make our run for Drew Brees and it looks like they're going to have a shot let's go over to the first game yesterday uh, the Titans taking on the Kansas City Chiefs and the Andy Reid Bowl uh, Andy Reid in the first half and the Kansas City Chiefs offense in the first half they take a 21-3 to lead all signs are pointing to the Kansas City Chiefs are going to go the second round they're gonna you know make some noise in the playoffs what most people thought they would see in this wild card game. But there was always right. a second half, and the Titans come back. Marcus Mariota is the, probably the first person I've ever seen throw a pass, catch a pass, score a touchdown in all one sequence, um, and they end up winning this game, twenty-two to twenty-one. Um, an incredulous effort for the for the Titans. Uh, John Gruden reminded us when they won that you know we should, that he's been saying for a month we should remember the Titans. I don't know if that's true, um, but I will say this. I mean the the Tennessee Bianca Titans.
1: The Titans have great <laughs> they have great skill players. I mean I don't know you know. If he was coaching the Titans now, I don't know if it's going to happen because he said all of the broadcast it wasn't going to. He wasn't sure it was going to happen in Oakland, so I don't know. And then uh, ten minutes after the broadcast, it announced he's the head coach of the Raiders. So <laughs> a lot happened between the time he left he left the stage to when he got into his car. It was amazing how that got done.
0: Uh, it was crazy how he kept pushing it off as if it was a uh, an up in the air scenario. You know, even you know Sean in the booth with him is like, you know, we don't know if this is your last game. It may be your last game. Might not be your last game. It was obviously his last game, uh, and he got a good one,
1: 22-21. You know, I, you know, I think this. I, I, I always When I watch games, I always, at halftime, I always say to myself, and when I was in the league, I often would do this, and say, okay, we're going to need at least 30 to win this game. Okay, or we're going to need at least another 10 points. We'll need seven. Or, you know, we're going to have this game for us to win. We're going to have to get to a certain point. You, you start the game off thinking that, and at halftime you think that. And when Andy Reid won it at halftime, up 21-3, to three, he had to feel like, look, we've got to find a way to put our foot on their neck and really squeeze them to death because if we keep them around long enough, they can keep trying to run the ball and do their thing. And, you know, there wasn't any gas on it. You know, they didn't put any, any hard part on it. Of course, they didn't get first downs. They gained less than, you know, 50 yards or 60 yards in the second half. They got three first down. They couldn't convert a third down. I mean, it was really bad, but I think they got away from the running. And I think what I don't think they talked about this on the broadcast, Dave Frazier, is I look like Andy Reid took over the play calling for me. I mean, I look like I thought he was really calling the game.
0: I, I I felt the same way. I saw him with his with his piece of paper, his big menu again. Um, it looked like he was calling the plays, too. I, I would just say if you just looked at the stats, I mean, you look at Alex Smith, he's 24-33, 264, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, Tra- Tyreek Hill had, you know, some big drops in this game. I think he had three or four drops that really hurt Alex Smith a few times. Kelsey goes out. I mean, that was probably the biggest story in this game. Yeah. When, when Kelsey goes right, down, it changes be- everything.
1: Yeah, Kelsey's a wide receiver. Like, mm-hmm. let's just make this really clear. Kelsey's a wide receiver. You can call him a tight end all you want. He's a wide receiver, and he's a really good wide receiver. Because when they lose him, they can't replace him with Demetrius Harris. Like, he, he's not that kind of guy. He may catch a guy, uh, may catch a ball here and there. I mean, they had 12, they had they had uh, 21 plays in the second half. I mean, here are their drives in the second half. They go three plays, eight yards, four plays, minus two, Kick a, miss a field goal, Five plays 21 yards, nine plays 34 yards. The best drive was the last drive, and they lost it on down. Mm -hmm. I think he made a huge mistake here. They never brought it up in the broadcast, but he's got the ball at that part of the field, right, and he's got three timeouts left. He only needs a field goal because Malarkey, for some reason, decided to go for two, which I thought was the most ridiculous. (laughs) You don't chase points, right? Mm -hmm. So now Malarkey's chasing points once he didn't go for two. If he, When you only need a field goal, and you should be able to play field position. So if he punts them back, pins them back with the special teams, which are good, and now he gets a chance to where he only needs to play on a short field to win the game. Now, people say, yeah, Lombardi are full of crap. They got the first down and won the game anyway. With the same play, they've always run on third down to close games out. Like, I knew that play was coming. I don't know how the Chiefs didn't.
0: Yeah, it was... Uh... It was a back and forth game. I mean, also the big story in this one came when, uh, you know, Jeff Triplett in in this game, a longtime NFL referee. I mean, he announced his retirement today uh, after this wild, eventful game that went back and forth. Um, is there any thoughts about that? I mean, obviously the officiating is uh, going mean, to be I a big story. Fans, yeah, I mean,
1: he misses the call in the pocket when Mariota clearly fumbles. He blew the whistle there. Mariota fumbles, but I mean, you know, he misses that call. I I, I think you, you know, look. That game, that game. there's two things I think people misconstrue about that game. They think that, it, that that Alex Smith lost the game. No. And they think that Jeff Tripp would cost the game. That's a big no. Mm-hmm. I, I think Kelsey going down really hurt them. I thought their inability to really rally and kind of create situations, it was a decoy. They, it was very clear from the beginning it was a Tyreek Hill game. They're going to play Tyreek Hill. They're going to do it with him. And then all of a sudden they lose Kelsey, and they really didn't have an answer, and they didn't even try to run the football. I mean, they didn't try to run the ball with Hunt, and he was the reason why they've kind of rectified their season. So I don't think, you know, look, Triplett retiring, you know, I mean, there was going to be a penalty on every single special team as we knew it. He didn't blow the call on the fumble by Henry that they got picked up by De- Derek Johnson for the touch. I mean, that wasn't a fumble. That was pretty clear. Mm-hmm. You know, the one in the pocket he called, t- you know, so I-, I don't see how you can blame him for that game. But I think that, that Andy got very conservative. And that's what happens with Andy at times in the playoffs. And unfortunately for Chief fans, I mean, you have a good regular season. You had a great start to the season, and then you had a bad ending to the season. And I think this will happen, Tate Fraser. I think there'll be a revamping of the Kansas City defense. I don't. I'm not sure Bob Sutton. Rumor has it Bob Sutton's not going to come back from the coaching circles. I think there's going to be a lot of changes on that Kansas City staff defensively. And oh, by the way, did you see Darrell Rivas not even try to tackle out there? It's... it was unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm. It's sort of like I saw Captain Munderland into the game in the Saints on that Michael Thomas catch. You know, it's like when Darrell Revis and Captain Munerlin are you know these old veteran guys, and they're in these big moments in the playoffs. I mean, you may you maybe want to reevaluate your situation at those positions at that point.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt.
0: And we should. before and
1: I think well, I think Kansas, I think Kansas City is just tired of the Rex Ryan type of defense. I think Kansas City knows they need to be a little bit more diversified. Whether they can play some zone, and man, they don't have enough corners to do it. Marcus Peters is great. But everything else, they need Eric Berry back. But I mean, that's for another time. I think it's. I think they'll make a change defensively and try to become a different team.
0: And I mean, we saw Marcus Peters. I mean, the good and the bad with Marcus Peters. You get this fumble recovery; it goes back for the touchdown. Everyone in Arrowhead is celebrating at the fact that this may have happened. We get the replay review; we see he's obviously down. Derrick Henry's obviously down. Then Marcus Peters gets a you know a personal foul penalty for you know acting out in response to that. So there's the good and the bad with Peters always, which. Uh, you know, is not not the best thing to see. Uh, we should point out Derek Henry had an amazing game in this game: twenty-three carries, one hundred fifty-six yards, a touchdown as well. Um, he was involved in the passing game quite a bit. Delaney Walker played well for the Titans. If you're a Titans fan, you just got to be happy. I mean, if you're if you're Mike Mularkey, all things came together. This was a game we, we thought we might see Mike Malarkey on the lam after this game, and you know they well, put it I together and wanted, get a I win. Mean, look,
1: let's face it. I mean, somebody in the Tennessee front office—I don't know whether it's a Tennessee front office or somebody in Tennessee—leaked out that Mike Mularky was going to get fired after the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty clear. And so that's the reason why the owner of the Tennessee Titans has to come out today and release a statement that he's our coach for next year. I mean, this kind of has blown up in Tennessee's face. Whoever wanted to make the move, whether it was the president, I don't know who it was, but it was leaked that he was going to get fired if they lost the game. And at 21-3, to 3, it seemed like a pretty good idea. And I think this, I mean, Tennessee won the game. They're going to go, off to, go up to New England. They're 13-and-a-half-point underdogs going in to New England the reality of it is the problems that the Titans have offensively aren't going to go away because you bring a Malarkey back. Malarkey's going to have to ask himself some hard questions. How do I fix this problem with my quarterback? Do I get another offensive coordinator? Is it Terry Robiskie's fault? Who's fault? How can I make this thing better? Because they got fortunate, and they proved the point. The old line, Tate Frazier, were always one injury away from having a good team, and they were. That injury to DeMarco Murray gave them a chance to put Henry in the game. And look, let's face it, the Chiefs are not a good defense. I've said it all year, Mm -hmm. they're not good on defense. I thought they would win the game handily because I don't think Tennessee's any good. I just didn't realize that they were just going to go no-show in the second half.
0: Yeah, it was the uh, the Andy Reid formula to a T. Uh, five straight home playoff losses for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, that's tough when you think about the atmosphere in Arrowhead. That that's a reality. Let's go to the next game on Saturday night. Uh, the second game of the day. The Atlanta Falcons came out to Los Angeles to take on the Rams in a big game. we got Sean McVay taking on Matt Ryan. We're going to see if uh, this Rams offense could hold up in the playoffs. Lombardi, I went out in Los Angeles to watch this game. Bars were packed. You were there, Ted Fraser? No, no, I didn't go to the game. I was just out in L.A. watching the game. Bars were packed, lines everywhere, The people wearing Rams jerseys. Uh, I, I saw Gurley jerseys. I saw Robert Woods jerseys. I saw Sammy Watkins jerseys. And uh, you know, by the end of the third quarter, I I started to see a lot less of those as time went by because the Atlanta Falcons came in and uh, they basically just showed that they were the veteran team, and and the Rams look young for the first time in a while.
1: Yeah, you know, I think what Atlanta said. Atlanta said this: we're going, we're going to not let them run screens. We're going to not let them have any play-action passes up the field. We're going to take the blade of big play. We're going to tackle like crazy because they're really good yards after the catch. And we're going to make this game go really quicker, faster than Derek Goff can play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they did all those things. And it looked like, to me, I don't know what it looked like to you when you were drinking at the bar, but it looked <laughs> like, to me, the, the Falcons had knew every one of the Rams' plays. Yep. I mean, Gurley still rushed for 100 yards, but, I mean, Goff's sitting there. He's struggling. He, you know, when he had time to check the runners at first and third to throw the ball— he looked like he could make some throws, and he did make some great throws, but for the most part, I mean, they just didn't look like the same explosive offense. It looked like the Falcons really had the better plan on how to do it, and I think Michael Brocker's going out of the game for the Rams hurt them. The Rams got tired on defense, you know, because this Falcon team wasn't really blocking them very well. I thought early in the game, I thought the Rams just were behind in the game. I didn't think they lost control of the game. And then in the second half, when Atlanta decided to run the football on them and try to try to control the game that way. I thought they got the they got the look, they averaged three two a carry. Mm-hmm. I, I mean I think the Rams played good enough defense to win the game. Matt Ryan made enough throws. They got the ball in the right people. They didn't turn the ball over. The Rams special teams turned the ball over. You know, it was one of those I don't know if the game was too big for the Rams or if the Rams just maybe weren't as good as I thought they were as the season wore on and I thought maybe they could overcome Goff's inability to make certain plays. I mean, it's going to be an interesting. The Rams are going to be fascinating next year when the schedule gets harder for them, and they play some better teams during the year. And how teams handle McVeigh's offense because what Atlanta did to them, to me, they were running their plays. He had a good. They had a good handle on them.
0: Well, we talked about this on the uh, Saturday sit-down or the Friday focus, depending on what you want to call it. Uh, this past week, took We or we had mentioned this even before earlier in the season with McVeigh phoning in those calls to and basically putting the checks in for Goff. You know, his predetermined checks for Goff to have at the line. It felt like the Falcons and Deion Jones and some of these guys on that defense, they were picking up on everything he was putting down. They you know, they had obviously watched a lot of tape on this Rams team. And you could yeah, see it did. when they had the the second, you know, the second break with the slant, you know, for Cup, which is basically his safety blanket, you know, Deion Jones is reading those routes twenty four seven and I think it, it sort of hurt Goff a little bit.
1: Yeah, it did. I don't think, I, to, to me, they just never got in a rhythm. You know, they could never get, of course, they could not never, you know, never got in a rhythm because they couldn't convert third downs. They only had the ball 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. They really couldn't get going. I know they gained 361 yards, but everything they do is off play action. Those two-man routes, they throw the ball up the field, and Goff looked like a little Bortles-ish in the first, I mean, in the first seven throws, he looked bad. I mean, he didn't have control of the ball. The game might have been a little bit big for him, and he kind of got used to it. He just didn't look very good in that game. I, I take my hat off to Atlanta. I didn't think they could come out there and win. I thought the Rams were the better team. But I'm kind of sold on it own. I thought they ran the ball hard in the game. They played a certain way to win the game for themselves. They didn't try to become this pass-happy team. They controlled the pace. They kept running. Even though I thought the, the Rams did a good job on defense, I, I thought the Falcons hung tough. They were mentally tough in the game, and it was a great win for them. Now they're on to the Philadelphia, which they're now, which is remarkable. The Falcons, the sixth seed, are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't want to give anything away for them. For cousin Sal and Bill tomorrow on the, against the Lions, but I mean they're a two and a half point favorite going into Philly,
0: and it, it's not really shocking because I mean it comes down to the fact that they are the 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 reigning NFC oh, they're champions. they're
1: playing the Best football, yeah.
0: And, and they're it, and they're it, playing, and playing like they did last now, year, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's
1: like the Saints are playing good right now. The, the Saints played left handed, and I think to a degree Atlanta played a little left handed in this game and played well. To me, that's what I'm always looking for: is can you play left handed? And win, and you know Kansas City. I don't know what they were trying to do. You know Tennessee didn't have to play; they just kept doing their thing. Jacksonville, they didn't play left-handed or right-handed. They just let Bortles run around, so (laughs) and they won the game.
0: Let's can we just let's talk about that game quickly before we we move on to guess the narratives.
1: (laughs) <laughs> can we just say this, Tate Frazier? After the game, I, I kept saying to my son Matthew, "I'm watching the game with him. Like Bortles looks like looks like he actually thinks he played good today. Like he's on the sideline laughing during the game when the Bills are in the four two minute drive coming down the field. Uh-huh. Bortles was over there laughing? Like he's like, I, it's almost like I didn't throw an interception. Nobody can be mad at me. Like, did he watch himself play?
0: Here's my Blake Bortles fact of the day: He rushed for 88 yards, which is more than he threw for, which was 87 yards. Blake Bortles was the leading he was rusher.
1: How do you win a game thrown for eighty-seven yards? I, you know, I mean, I know this sounds ridiculous, but when you got first and goal at the two at like two forty to go, mm-hmm. and and you let Tyrod Taylor throw that stupid fade that never gets to, to Kelvin Benjamin because you want to, you know, you want a brother-in-law, your buddy, right? Yep. Like if you run the ball there, even if you don't get in the end zone, the clock's going to go down to the two-minute warning. You got to keep them from getting those three points at the end of the half. I mean, it was horrible. You know, your whole personality is run first, pass second. And you got first and goal at the one and a half, and you throw a fade because the guy wants to be a hero. See, to me, that's the definition of not being mentally tough. When you're trying to do something that's good for you, that ain't good for the team. And to me, that's the real problem. A guy like Benjamin does that. Like to me, that would just piss the hell out of me off.
0: Well, that's uh, a lot of people were calling for Benjamin in that Carolina game late, but that's the thing. You you know, it's give and take with those sorts of deals. I mean.
1: Yeah. Tate Frazier, he looks like a big tight end. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I i i don't know if he – can he get away from anybody? He doesn't look like he can run a lick.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, And then you got Nick I mean, O'Leary. Like, you already to... have a tight end, so you don't need Calvin Benjamin to be that big guy. You already yeah, got can I ask you this question? Yes.
1: I mean, how many times are we going to see the angle route on on, on a two-minute drive from Buffalo? Can we get another play put in? <laughs> like, I mean, they hit it one time with McCoy. And, it, you know, to me, I love the Buffalo story. And Buffalo hung tough. They're in there. Bortles tried to throw him two interceptions. They couldn't catch him. Yep. And you know, I mean, look, Buffalo wasn't a really a great playoff team. It's a great story, not a great playoff team. But neither is Jacksonville. I mean, at some point, Bortles was going to have to play in a game. And how about this? He's saying the weather. It was windy. People were making excuses for him for the win. What do you think it's going to be like at Heinz Field next weekend?
0: I think it's going to be a little windy. A yeah. A little little <laughs> snowy. A guess, right? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be some uh, some temperatures he's going to have to deal with, I'm sure. I, I, yeah, I did think it was crazy that the Jaguars' response uh, was as if they blew they blew out the Buffalo Bills. The Bills had a chance. I mean, Ty Taylor, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, you know, I fe- felt bad for him taking that late hit, and Peterman had to come in and then threw the interception, and, you know, sealed the game. I thought it was going
1: to be a cin- I thought it was going to be a Cinderella story. I thought we were going to be. I we we're going to have Bill Murray doing, clicking the flowers off at stripes. Uh, in, in Caddyshack at the, at the Masters. You know, Cindy Bell story coming in there. And of course, my man, Peter, he gets the first down, I mean, I didn't think he was going to make it on that first down coming around the corner. Like, get there, get there, get there. And, and he fumbled
0: he it, he, he, he fumbled and, he it fumbled. and luckily he recovered it, and then he comes back down and throws a pick. We should say, I mean, Jalen Ramsey, uh, probably one of the best corners in the NFL. I mean, Xavier Rhodes is up there, obviously, too, left in the playoffs. But, I mean, he he gets in front of that ball and then catches his own tip for the interception to seal the game. If you're a Jaguars fan, you should be celebrating Telvin Smith, Jalen Ramsey, Darius, all those guys. I mean, Blake Bortles, yeah. I mean, I don't think we need any celebrations. Can you
1: imagine? Can you imagine CBS interviewed Blake Bortles after the game? Like, really? Are you serious? are going to go to him? I mean, you're going to him? I mean, you know, how about, I love the best shot of all is when they own Tony Khan's, they went to Tony Khan up in the box, Coughlin's writing notes, and David Caldwell's sitting next to Khan. and I'm thinking to myself, what do you think Caldwell's telling Con You know, it was a good idea We put $19 million. see how valuable <laughs> Blake is running the football? And all I kept thinking about, Dave Frazier, is this, how good would Jacksonville be if they drafted Deshaun Watson? Mm-hmm. I know Fournette's a great player. I'm not arguing that. But if you put a legitimate quarterback on that team, how good would they be?
0: Yeah, it would be something scary. I mean, especially when you see Westbrook and some of these other receivers kind of show signs. Oh, yeah. I mean, Unbelievable. we can't underestimate and, and and if you didn't watch the game I mean, Blake Bortles in this first half, Tony Romo was trying to be nice in the booth, but Blake Bortles was blatantly missing people that were just wide open. I mean, these were check down throws. These were screen passes. He was missing people by five yards, throwing it over their heads. I mean, it looked like someone that had never thrown a football was out there trying to give the ball to people. It was, uh, uh, it, it was quite a sight. It, it was
1: great. And Romo, and Romo was getting his digs in without really digging. Yeah. He's like, well, see what happens when you throw a check down accurately. <laughs> when, they, when they make some yards, <laughs> it's so good. I loved it. Uh, it's
0: the best. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor. Well, it's not really a sponsor. It's a podcast, and it's called Bachelor Party. January means three things. Cold weather, the NFL playoffs, and The Bachelor. The Ringer Podcast Network has responded by spinning off Juliet Libman's Bachelor Party podcast into its own feed. Every Monday night, right after the show ends on ABC, we post Juliet's breakdown of the latest, latest episode Juliet's guests include former bachelors like Ben Higgins, former contestants like Ashley I, the Ringers Roger Sherman, and super fans like the Sportscow. Shout out to the Sportscow! Tell the bachelor super fan in your life to subscribe to Bachelor Party on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Art 19, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now let's keep talking about football. All right, let's. Uh Let's uh, let's talk about the narratives of the week. I mean, I, I'm guessing your narrative will not be Blake Burroughs as an elite quarterback, but you never know. Um, this is one of our favorite segments. We just try to guess what what some of the big storylines would be. First up, guess the narratives. What do you got, Lombardi?
1: Well, I I think this. I, I think it's going to be, you know, is the is the Patriots' demise and all this stuff, and te- does Tennessee have a chance because the Patriots are on their way down? And my number one narrative of the week is how insulted the Eagles are that they're the underdog and they're going to be the rallying cry mm-hmm. this week for them to upset the Falcons. I think that's going to be, that's going to, they're going to use that as a rallying call.
0: Yep. The, those are two good ones. I, I'm, I'm sort of in the same camp as that. I mean, I think the, the prevailing narrative for me is going to be that the Atlanta Falcons are the are the team to beat in the NFC. Um, and that's going to be going into Philadelphia, obviously against the number 1 seed. Nick Foles has been talking about how he's ready to roll uh, with the Eagles team. So that'll be fun. Also, I think a lot of people, we're, we're joking about Blake Bortles, but I think a lot of people are going to convince themselves that the Jacksonville Jaguars will beat the Steelers in Heinz Field. And uh, I think that's something to watch as well.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I, if they can do that, they're better. They're better than I am. But you know, look, I, I think this. I think it's. I think you know. we don't know what the weather's going to be like in either place, right? So it's going to be. You know, we got a game in Philadelphia. We got a game in New England. We got a game in Pittsburgh, and we got a game indoors. So that one doesn't count. I, I think this for me is. I, I truly believe the winner of the New Orleans Minnesota game might be the representative of the Super Bowl. I'm not saying Atlanta can't do it or Philadelphia can't do it. I don't think Atlanta can, I don't think Philly can beat Atlanta. But I think those two teams are right there, and then I, you know, I do think this. I think Pittsburgh and Philly one two seed. I mean, Philly and New England, New England and Pittsburgh as the one two seed. I think that we're headed for that showdown, and I think that's going to be pretty clear. I think that's what we're going to get for Championship Weekend. But we still have a lot of time to talk about it.
0: Yeah, a lot more time. I will say uh, I agree with you on that Saints Vikings thing. I think Saints are a team of destiny, but the Vikings have the home field advantage, and if they do win, I think they have a real good chance of. Uh, of making it to the Super Bowl, uh, should we do some awards before we get out of here?
1: I think we definitely should do some awards, Tate Frazier. I think we should do, definitely do some. We should talk about some coaches too, like like these coaches. Like we didn't even talk about our man now, John Gruden. Does he did he take the Raider job? I don't know. Did he do that?
0: We uh, it, it's been reported now what for like a week that he has taken the job. I mean, he's been named the head coach. He's accepted the job. I I, I won't believe it until I finally see him go to a press conference and say that he is the well, head coach of the Oakland Raiders.
1: I mean, that was the funny thing is they they have a press conference. They've already announced the press conference before he went to the podium, what would started doing the game. They already announced the press conference on Tuesday, and yet he would tell Sean McDonough he didn't have it. So, you know, so that job's filled, okay? And so my my sources tell me, I think Matt Patricia clearly has the Detroit job. He's the favorite there. Shockingly, that Detroit didn't interview Josh McDaniels, which to me tells you everything you need to know right there that, that they believe, you know, they want to they want to keep their offensive staff in place, Jim Bob Cooter. I would think they keep their defensive staff. They want to get a new head coach, kind of keep some of the things they're doing and move forward. Uh, so I think that one there. I think Chicago and Indianapolis are, you know, they both interviewed Josh McDaniels. I think that's a direction that probably they would both go. I think Indy's still doing more interviews now as we speak. But, you know, I don't think like Frabel has a chance at, say, Detroit, I think he, they think he's a little time away and then the giant job is going to be the fascinating one because the giants, I really think from talking to people that talk to them, they feel like, yeah, they understand what their problems are. They're probably more retro 1980s type of team. They want to change, but yet they really don't want to change. It's all the things we've talked about. So I think that hire is going to be interesting. I don't think it'll be a Patriot type guy at that place. I think it'll be somebody else.
0: Um, McDaniels is the big name, though, right? With the Giants, uh, that's what I've seen.
1: Yeah, they did. I, I, I don't see that. Ha- I, I wouldn't think that would. I mean, as I said all along, I don't think, I don't think Josh is going to take a job at a place where, you know, he he doesn't really know the GM and mm-hmm. the GM has all the authority over him. I think, I think that's what I'm talking about in the '80s type of thing. I think the Giants have this mentality that the GM is going to be pick the players, the coach coaches the players. Well, that worked back then. Now. It has to be a collaboration of both people. You know, they've got to work together to come up with a consensus. And I think that's the only way that, that I think that, I'm not speaking for Josh, but I think that's the only way that that could happen. And if that does, then, you know, I, I would be surprised if he went in that direction to go work for a team that just had such a strong decision making the way they've set their structure up. And maybe the Giants would be willing to change. I don't know that. But to me, if they were willing to change, they would have changed long before this.
0: Well, you never know. There could be a big fish coming back on the market. I'm still in the camps that I won't Bill Belichick to go back to the Giants. I know you're not going to sign on that for one that. That was
1: the worst. I mean, that had to be the worst <laughs> rumor I have ever. I mean, did you see what I tweeted out, Dave Frazier? I tweeted out that that was like, you see? There's a better chance of landing on Mars. And that was great. You know, it's the only thing, you know, the one thing about Twitter, there's always somebody that has an answer for anything. Like, well, there's already been seven landings on Mars. I didn't even know that. Did you know that, Dave Frazier?
0: I think there's a bunch of rovers. We've had no humans on Mars, though, so it doesn't count
1: so, so I, I guess, yeah, I didn't
0: even know that. Like, I had no idea that
1: that was even
0: possible. It you is. Know? So anyway. SpaceX, yeah. anything is possible. But I will say this. I, I put it out there as a complete joke and take a picture of Lawrence Taylor and Bill Belichick with Lawrence Taylor dumping the Gatorade on him and just said, I want this to happen. And uh, then it came up in like two or three news reports. Folks, I'm just kidding. This, this is for fun. This is, these are not real reports. I, I do not think Bill Belichick I mean, is going back to the Giants.
1: I can't believe people actually wrote it and believed it. Like, I can't even believe it. Like, I don't even understand how people could write that. And think that, First of all, do you think for one second, Kraft's going to let Belichick just walk out of the building? I mean, come on. <laughs> please. I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, really, seriously.
0: Any anything for the storyline, anything for the drama, I would say.
1: Yeah, don't let the facts get in the, don't let the facts get in the way of the story, right?
0: Exactly. Let the story happen, we'll figure out the facts later. Uh speaking of exactly. facts, let's lock down some awards. Uh, these are all facts yeah. that we're going to throw out there. Um, first up, and I don't even know this if this is a- applicable for Wildcard Weekend, but we're going to put it out there anyway. First up, time to go in the lamb. Uh, is there anyone that needs to go in the lamb this week for you Lombardi?
1: Well, I would think Blake Bortles would go on the lamb. Like, look, at some point, like, don't do any interviews. You're win that game, okay? You know, like, just stay low-key. You know, don't don't let this get to your head a little bit. I think that might be good advice for Blake. But, you know, I, I think Buffalo did a nice job this year. They should be proud of their football team. Everybody thought they were going to tank. They made the playoffs. You know, I think the same thing with Carolina. You know, they've had a lot of uncertainty. And, you know, obviously, Jerry Richardson is now just – he is going to go on the lamb because he's going to sell his team. Mm-hmm. So – but other than that, I, I, you know, I would be low-key. I think the thing now is let your play speak for yourself. You don't need press conference. Just let your play speak for yourself. And there's some really good teams. I mean, Atlanta's playing really good. New Orleans is playing really good. Let them speak for yourself.
0: Yeah. So go on the lam if you're trying to do your own media press tour. Just go on the lam. We don't need that. Yeah. Uh, uh, next up, we got the Fred Palermo Award this week uh, for the best game plan. What do you think about that? Who Who wins Fred Palermo? Yeah.
1: I, I thought, you know, I thought the Saints I know I know the the Saints had beaten them twice. I thought the Saints game plan was really good today. To only be an eight third downs against a really good defense I thought was remarkable. I mean you could say Tennessee, but I don't think Tennessee really changed their game plan. I mean when you throw a pass to yourself and you catch it because Reeves knocked it back <laughs> in, you know, I mean, I don't really know what I think Dick Lebeau did a great job. He blitzed a lot, you know, kinda of took them out of their game a little bit, adjusted when Kelsey went out. So you could certainly say that. I don't know if you could say there was a good game plan in the Buffalo game at all. You know, the Buffalo Jacksonville mm. game. Both teams kind of just tried to do it. So they both showed up. Sean, that was good. Yeah, I thought Sean did a really good job, and I think Atlanta deserves it as well. I think Sean and Atlanta, both those teams did a good job. And I think the South was well represented. I think three teams from the South was really good. Three teams two teams from the north from the South in the East. You realize we have five teams from the South in the playoffs and we still have four remaining? Mm-hmm. Think about that, right? Yep. We still have we we still have New Orleans and Atlanta, and we still have Jacksonville and Tennessee, and both those. And, now we know the NFC South is really good, but we think the AFC South is bad, and they still have two teams remaining in the playoffs.
0: Yep. So good for South. Uh, yeah, they're, they're here. They're here to stay. Uh, next up, we got the KGB Award. Uh, who's the team that's most shocked and surprised? I would guess it would be the Kansas City Chiefs, but also, I mean, they, the they, they've seen this script before.
1: Yeah, I mean it has to be. I mean they didn't make the adjustments in the second half. I mean, look, I said this early in the pod. Look, when you go in at halftime, you're up twenty-one-three. You got to tell, look. We got to score. This game is zero to zero. We got to score. We got to start fast again, and we got to come back out. And they just couldn't do it. And I think you got, you know, they really got duped in that game. They kind of got lulled, thinking they had a lead, playing at home, twenty-one to three, wondering about, you know, going back into New England again horrible. Really, that's a tough loss to get over. I can tell you that right now. That's going to be a hard one for Clark Hunt and his entire organization to swallow.
0: Yep, definitely. I mean, five straight home losses in the playoffs is really hard to swallow for anyone. Uh, Next up, can't tell my courage from my desperation. Um, I'm fighting. I I don't know what this is going to be. What do you have for this one, Lombardi?
1: Well, you know, I I think the team, you know, I would say it's got to be Blake Bortles. (laughs) I'm not sure he's courageous. I just thought he was desperate. You know, and when he was running around, I wasn't sure he was courageous. I thought this was tailor made for Blake. I don't think he was. I wasn't sure he was courageous. I just thought he was desperate, and he did it. And he made the plays he had to make, you know. And so, give him credit. Take your hat off. He won a playoff game. I'm going to have to eat a this week on no bull. I'm going to have to eat a, uh, a tofu meatball because he's in the playoffs. I mean, if he beats New England, oh my god. I mean, if he beats Pittsburgh, oh my God! I have no idea what Joel Solomon will have in store for me then.
0: Yeah, he's drawing <laughs> up uh, devious plans as we speak. I'm sure.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Last well, one. You're probably going to just have to read off a lot of Blake Bortles stats. Like Blake Bortles has won more playoff games than Deshaun Watson. You know, all types. I'd be shocked if
1: Blake Bortles did win a Golden Globe tonight. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm sure he's probably there.
0: Disaster sure artist. He won. <laughs> that was him. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's the best. That's good. Uh, final one. If you don't know, now you know. Uh, heading in to past the wildcard weekend, first round, uh, we're going to go to the, the see the top seeds this weekend. If you don't know, now you know. What do we know, Lombardi?
1: I, I think we know Atlantis Atlanta's over the Super Bowl. Over the Super Bowl hangover, I think they're back. I think they feel pretty comfortable going out there and winning. I think that Dan Quinn deserves a lot of credit for keeping the team together. So. I think you can tell they're for real. I think you can tell the Saints are for real. I don't know much more than that. That's about what I know.
0: Yep. And I agree with that. I think if uh if I were to pick a team right now to watch out for, it'd be the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they seem like they're a team on a mission. They've been about it all year. They got a great running backs, uh two great running backs and an unbelievable receiver that I think well I think Michael Thomas is uh, yeah, His notoriety is going to climb up an upper echelon as this playoff run continues, especially if they play like they did today um, against the Minnesota Vikings. So that's something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, Lombardi, before we come back, we're going to be back on Tuesday. Per usual, the show will go up on Wednesday. Uh, is there anything else you have, one final thought before we get out of here? No,
1: I'm just looking forward to seeing you back again. When I'm back, that's it. Take We'll get back on it again. Looking forward to it. Perfect. And I'm studying some college hoops so I, could, so I can know what the heck's going on, so I can be on one shining moment.
0: Yeah, like, well, we're going to have you on the podcast for sure. We'll, we'll, we'll try to figure out what's going on with uh, Hofstra basketball, if we can get it back. No,
1: I, I, I just found out uh, Foltz is back practicing. He did five-on-five five today. It's a miracle. I tweeted out, it's a miracle. Every time I see her, it's a miracle. I think I'm back in Shawshank. It's a miracle.
0: It is a miracle. So did you see his jump shot? That That's not a miracle. No. That's a disaster.
1: I saw it. All right, Tate Frazier, I gotta go. He just, <laughs> you just
0: ruined my night. Thanks a lot. This has been another edition of GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and I am graced by the presence of the great Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, I can't wait to have you back. I'll
1: see you. I'll see you Tuesday, Tate. Bye bye.